message today is titled, As Promised, and uh, we're going to be in this sort of mini-series between now and Easter. Jesus' disciples, um, they were tasked with convincing their fellow Jews that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. And this was a difficult task because the uh, the Jews had been conditioned to believe that the Messiah would kick out the Romans and establish himself as king of the world. And yet Jesus died an ignoble death upon uh, a Roman cross. And so how could he be the Messiah? And so it was a difficult task, but the disciples had uh, two primary arguments. Number one was resurrection from the dead. And so uh, Christians would tell their fellow Jews, Jesus isn't dead, he's alive. And in fact, he's coming again someday. And the mistake that we made is assuming that God was going to fulfill all of the messianic promises uh, in one coming. But he's coming twice. And in his first coming, he dealt with the problem of our sin and made it possible for us to find forgiveness and to be reconciled to God relationally. And then in his second coming, uh, he's going to fulfill those promises about um, destroying wickedness from the face of the earth and, and establishing his righteous rule from east to west and north to south. And the second argument that the disciples made uh, to prove that Jesus was in fact the Messiah was uh, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Uh, it is said that uh, there are, Josh McDowell says that there are over 300 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. Now, others say that there are 61 major messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, but their their kind of uh, derivations amount to over 300. Peter Stoner and Robert Newman published a book in 1958 titled Science Speaks. And what they sought to do is uh, calculate the probability that one person would be able to fulfill the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And even though Jesus fulfilled 61 major prophecies, I guess the number would have been too large. And so they said, let's just imagine if Jesus had fulfilled even eight of those prophecies. Even eight of those prophecies. Now, uh, Peter Stoner, at the time the book was written, was Professor Emeritus of Science at Westmont College and Professor Emeritus of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena College. Robert Newman held a Ph.D. in Astrophysics from Cornell, as well as a Master's of Theology from the Biblical School of Theology. And uh, the statistics that they cite in this book were vouched for by the American Scientific uh, Affiliation. And here's what they concluded. The probability of Jesus fulfilling even eight of those messianic prophecies is one in ten to the power of 17. That's 17 zeros. And so, in order to help us uh, understand a little bit more what that means, they, they said, okay, here's an illustration. If we took... Uh, 10 to the power of 17 silver dollars, uh, they would cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep of coins. 
Now, for Alaskans, we're not all impressed, all that impressed with Texas, but you know, that's actually quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, or an inch or so here in Alaska. But in Texas, two feet. And and he said, okay, so that's that's what we're talking about. All of Texas, two feet deep in silver dollars. Now, if you drew an X, marked an X on one of those coins, and then shuffled them all around, and then you blindfolded someone and just said, start walking anywhere in Texas. Uh, and then at some point, you've got to stop and reach down and shuffle through that two-foot pile and pull out a coin. The, what are the chances that uh, the, point, the coin they pull out has the X? The same chance, the same probability as Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth fulfilling eight of the 61 messianic prophecies that he fulfilled. What I want to do today is talk about, uh, I want to walk through 29 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in a 24-hour period. Uh, these are not uh, six, they're not 29 of the 61 kind of big ones, but it's 29 of the, of the 300. 29 prophecies Jesus fulfilled in a 24-hour period. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read an Old Testament uh, prophecy about the Messiah and then its New Testament fulfillment. And what I expect to happen in your heart is what happened in mine. Is I, I was blown away as I looked through this. I was blown away with the specificity uh, of the fulfillment. And it just really encouraged my heart regarding the fact that Jesus is the one promised by God. It was foretold that the Messiah would be betrayed by a friend. Psalm 41.9 we read, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. In Matthew 10.4 we read about Jesus, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Judas, one of his 12, betrayed him. And in fact, remember at the Last Supper, dipped his bread uh, in Jesus' bowl. It was foretold that the Messiah would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah eleven twelve. Then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. In Matthew 26, 15, it is written about Jesus. What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? This is Judas Iscariot. And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. It was prophesied that the Messiah, uh, that the money used uh, to betray or uh, to sell the Messiah would be thrown into God's house. Zechariah 11.13. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. In Matthew 27, 5, we read that uh, Judas Iscariot, upon um, being convicted that he had uh, betrayed an innocent person, he went and threw down the pieces of silver into the temple and departed. It was prophesied that the, that the price given to, for the Messiah would buy a potter's field. Zechariah eleven thirteen again. Uh, I took the 30 pieces of silver, threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. And in Matthew 27, 7, we read, So they took counsel, the, uh, the leaders of Israel who had um, 
given the 30 pieces of silver to Judas Iscariot and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for the strangers. Uh, Judas Iscariot took the money, threw it into the temple, and uh, the chief priests said, well, this is blood money, so we can't put it in the temple. We're going to we're going to use it to buy a field for, to bury people. And so, uh, just want to point out here that in these first four prophecies, we have found prophesied and fulfilled this. The Messiah would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver, not 29, of silver, not gold. They would be thrown down into the house of the Lord, not placed, and that the money would be used to buy a potter's field. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be forsaken by his disciples. Zechariah 13, 7. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Matthew 27, 7, we read about Jesus. And they all left him and fled. It was foretold that the Messiah would be accused by false witnesses. Psalm 35, 11. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. In Matthew 26, 59, and 60, we read about Jesus. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. It was foretold that the Messiah would be silent before his accusers. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Matthew 27, 12, we read about Jesus. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be wounded and bruised. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Matthew 27, 6, we read about Jesus. Then, or this is about Pilate. Then Pilate released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. It was foretold that the Messiah would be smitten and spit upon. Isaiah 56. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Matthew twenty six sixty seven. we read about Jesus. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be mocked. Psalm 22, 7 and 8. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Matthew 27, 29, we read, And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on Jesus' head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! It was prophesied that the Messiah would fall under the weight of the cross. Psalm 109, 24, 25. My knees are weak through fasting. 
My body has become gaunt with no fat. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they wag their heads. Luke 23:26. we read, And as they led Jesus away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And that was because Jesus uh, no longer had the strength to carry the cross himself. It was prophesied that the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen: they have pierced my hands and my feet. Luke 23, 33, we read, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. By the way, when Psalm 22 was written, there was no such thing as Roman crucifixion in Israel. That was not a part of their disciplinary practice. That only came about hundreds of years later. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be numbered with the thieves. Isaiah fifty-three twelve. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Matthew 27, 38, we read about Jesus. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. He was numbered with the criminals. It was prophesied that the Messiah would intercede for his persecutors. Isaiah 53, 12. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Luke 23, 34, we read about Jesus, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be rejected by his own. Isaiah 53, 5, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. And about Jesus we read in John 7 and 8 and 48. For not even his brothers believed in him. Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believe in him? The Messiah of the Jews and yet they for the most part rejected him. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be hated without cause. Psalm 69 4. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. John 15, 25, we read, But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. It was prophesied that the friends of the Messiah would stand afar off. Psalm 38, 11. My friends and companions stood aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. Luke 23, 45, we, uh, 49, we read, And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. It was prophesied that people would shake their heads at the Messiah. Psalm 109.25 I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, 
they wag their heads, which is kind of deriding. Matthew 27, 39, we read, And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be stared at. Psalm twenty-two, seventeen: I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat at me. And in Luke 23, 35, we read that Jesus, as he hung upon the cross, the people stood by watching. It was prophesied that the Messiah's garments would be parted and lots cast for them. Psalm twenty-two, eighteen: They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. In John 19, 23 and 24, we read, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to, to see whose it shall be. So notice the specificity, right? They, they divide my garments and they cast lots for them. And here that's exactly what happened. It was prophesied that the Messiah would suffer thirst. Psalm sixty nine twenty one, And for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. John 19, 28, we read, and, and after this, Jesus said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. It was prophesied that they would give gall and vinegar to the Messiah. Psalm 69, 21, they gave me poison for food. Another word for that is gall. And for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. Matthew 27, 34, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. It was prophesied that uh, the Messiah would cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, 1. And in Matthew 27, 46, we read, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God. My God, why have you forsaken me? It was prophesied that the Messiah would commit himself to God. Psalm 31, 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke 23, 46. Jesus, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It, would pro it was prophesied that the Messiah's bones would not be broken. Psalm 34, 20. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. John 19, 33, we read, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs, which was normal practice when you hung upon a cross to speed your death. It was prophesied that the Messiah's heart would break. Psalm twenty-two, fourteen: My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. John 19.34 we read, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water, which is uh, evidence that, that the heart has burst. 
it was prophesied that the Messiah's side would be pierced, Zechariah 12.10. They look on me, on him whom they have pierced. John 19.34 we read, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. It was prophesied that uh, darkness would come over the land at the, at the Messiah's death. Amos 8.9, and on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. And in Matthew 27.45, we read, now from the sixth hour, uh, this is uh, Jesus on the cross, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour, and the sixth hour is noon in Israel. And then finally, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be buried in a rich man's tomb, Isaiah 53, 9. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. And we read in Matthew 27, 57 to 60, When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, and he asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud, and laid it in his own new tomb. So all of these prophecies were written hundreds of years before Christ. And yet, tremendous specificity fulfilled in one day as Jesus uh, suffered and died upon the cross. So let's talk a moment about... uh, what is the, the significance of fulfilled prophecy? What, is the big takeaways, what are the takeaways for us? And the first thing I want to point out is that uh, fulfilled prophecy demonstrates that there is a divine intellect behind the Bible who can foresee the future. Which means that the Bible is not the wisdom of man, it is the word of God. And if God, as the Bible says about itself, all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, instruction, correction, and righteousness, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, uh, if, it's, if the Bible is in fact the word of God, then we should take it seriously. And we should constantly expose ourselves to it. We should be reading the Bible and studying it. Because God you know, doesn't speak without a purpose. Uh, he took the time and the energy to pre- preserve his word for us. Uh, we should expose ourselves to it and uh, respond to it in belief. belief. We can you know, either ignore the Bible uh, or disobey the Bible or pattern our lives after it. Uh, secondly, the, the fact that there is such fulfilled prophecy uh, tells us that we can trust God's promises. Uh, The best predictor of future behavior is what? Past behavior. Uh, I learned that when interviewing people for jobs. Don't, it's it's much less, I'm much less interested about what they think and feel. I want to know what have you done? Because what you've done is an indication of what you will do. So if God in the past has fulfilled his promises, what, what do we expect that he'll do in the future? Fulfill his promises. And so we, as Christians, there are uh, yet to be fulfilled promises that we are clinging to and putting our hope in. Uh, I think about uh, the promise that Christ will return. And there is coming a day when the wickedness of the world will be 
wiped out and the righteousness of God, it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we, we cling to that. Uh, and so fulfilled prophecy lets us know that that's just not a wish and a prayer. Uh, we have reason to believe that, in fact, will come to pass. Or the, or the a promise of resurrection, eternal life, uh, living, living with God forever in the company of other Christians. We can believe those things because God has demonstrated that he fulfills his, uh, his word. Thirdly, fulfilled prophecy means that Jesus is the Messiah. I don't know how you read uh, these 29, and there are a lot more surrounding the birth of Christ. Uh, but here, you know, just reading these 29 fulfilled prophecies, how, how do you not look at that and say, wow, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that God promised And then finally, here's the implication uh, I want to sit on for a little bit. It's this. What we've looked at today um, demonstrates that Jesus' death upon the cross was not plan B. Some have suggested that plan A was that the, the leaders of Israel would recognize Jesus as the Messiah, that they would receive him, and that had they done so, he would have established his kingdom on earth at that moment, and that the cross was sort of plan B. Well, uh, they didn't accept me, they rejected me, so I've got to go to plan B. And yet, we look at the scriptures, and God, with excruciating detail, foretold the, coming, uh, foretold the death of his son, uh, upon the cross, and exactly how that was going to go, which means that uh, hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened, it was in the mind of God, it was part of his plan. And those who suggest that the cross was plan B don't understand uh, the, the weight of sin and the, the desperate need for us, for our sins to be atoned for. See, if Christ, if Christ had not hung upon the cross... We could not be reconciled to God. Dylan last week talked about the fact that in Christ we have full access to the Father. 24-7. We are received by him at all times. And that's only possible because Jesus on the cross paid the penalty for our sins so that we can walk around in forgiveness. Christ had to die upon the cross because you and I have sinned and we cannot pay the penalty for our own sin. It took the Son of the living God to do that. It also means this. This is Christ's death upon the cross is God's big thing. It's what he was planning. It's what he was uh, working toward. It's all he talked about for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so uh, if you are in Christ, if you have responded to Christ's death upon the cross, if, you've, if you're benefiting from that, if, if you stand forgiven, if you're following him, then, then you're right smack in the center of God's will. You're not missing out on God's good plan. And so you drive a car that was, you know, built in the early 90s, and you know you need to paint your house, but you have other things you've got to do with your limited resources. You know what? 
Your neighbors might think you're missing out, but you're not. You are right smack in the center of what God is doing. And on the flip side, uh, you might be driving the nicest car and living in the nicest house and being successful in your career. But uh, if you don't know Jesus, then uh, you've gained the world and lost your soul. And what good is that, Jesus asks. You're missing out on, on what your creator is concerned about. His mind, his attention is focused on his son Jesus and, and the gospel going forth and people entering into uh, forgiveness of sins and into the, the church community and his kingdom expanding on earth. That's what interests him, not you climbing the corporate ladder, not you having a six-pack, although that's important to me. <laughs> and so you're missing out. God promised to a world desperately in need a Savior. And, as, and, and the prophets said for hundreds and hundreds of years, He's coming. And the people waited. And then He came, and His name is Jesus. We need a Savior. And so uh, we're going to just spend a little time responding today. Uh, so... It might be that you just need to um, marvel at uh, at God's good plan. It might need that. It might be that you need to just thank the Lord for today, um, encouraging your faith. It, it might be that you need to um, sit in the fact that you are not missing out because you are you are a, a follower of Christ. You're in the center of His plan and His will. And it might be that you need to today acknowledge Jesus is. Uh, the Messiah, and I need to be uh, his follower.